PCC began as a small group with a big idea 18 years ago. That big idea, it turns out, was smaller than what God had in mind. Today, PCC is one church with multiple locations, but our singular focus has never changed. We reach people who don't go to church. And though today's dramatically different world has challenged us to adjust our methods, we have never wavered in our commitment to let the light of Jesus Christ shine through everything we do. We are focused on one mission. We strive to be authentic in all relationships, accepting of all people, excellent in every effort and generous with our lives. We strive to follow Jesus with our whole lives in every area of our lives, and we worship Him with joy regardless of whatever's happening around us. We help those in need. We walk alongside those who are hurting. We challenge each other to know God and discover purpose, to get real, to make a difference, and to be the change. And we do it all with the defining characteristic that is in our very name, passion. Regardless of the circumstances we face, we are committed to be faithful followers of Jesus. So today, you'll be a part of an experience that reflects what we believe, that God is worthy of our worship and praise and our attention and our energy and all that we have. So let's do it. Let's connect with God and with each other. Let's experience God's presence in a powerful way. And let's carry today's experience every day until we come back again next week. Welcome to church. Hey everybody, I'm Brian Pope. I'm so glad that you joined us for church today from wherever you are. Today is a little bit unusual for us. We're dealing with some unusual circumstances. There's been so much loss in our community and every loss is a tragedy. But as many of you already know, our senior pastor, Brian Hughes, lost his mom to COVID this week. Brian talks about his family so freely and we love how he shares stories about them and his messages. So we all feel sort of kind of like they're our family too. We love them. So we're also feeling this deep loss. One of the reasons God encourages us to form community, to build relationships, to care for one another is because we need each other. We come together, we go to church and we celebrate. We also come together to grieve, to share our pain, so this morning, we're gonna do that first, acknowledging that there's been tremendous loss to so many of us this past year. For all of those who are suffering and grieving, we see you, God sees you, and I'd speak to him on your behalf right now. Will you pray with me? Father God, we come to you with a great weight on our hearts today. God, in the times that we've, face this past year and up until this moment right now, God, so many of us have experienced loss. So many of us have lost someone close to us or had someone suffer through this terrible disease. God, for all of those who have lost this year, for all of those who are grieving this year, in this moment, God, I'm just asking for an extra measure of your presence. 
the feeling of your hands around them, your arms around their family as they go through this hard time. God, we trust in you. We know that there's hope in life because of you, but it doesn't always take away our pain. So comfort us in our pain, God, as only you can do. We love you. We thank you and trust you in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, we do believe that joy and sorrow can coexist and that Jesus is present with us in everything. Psalm 30 says, you who are faithful to the Lord, sing praises to him, give thanks to his holy name. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So even as we acknowledge our grief, we have reason to celebrate. We can rely on the strength that's not our own. There is power in our praise. So with our arms lifted high, let's sing it together. The battle belongs to God. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. 
Salvation in 
buried body began to breathe and out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body us so much and we celebrate that today that he has found us wherever we were and brought us into his family so we're going to get loud about that now so sing with us In the wayside, lost on a lonely road. I was chasing the highlight, trying to satisfy my soul. All the lies I believed in left me crying like the rain. I saw lightning from heaven. Jesus, I am 
Yes, I do. Nothing can separate. Nothing can change the way you love me. Nothing can change the way I belong to you. Yes, I do. Nothing can separate. absolutely loving that new worship track. How about you? I love it, man. And the folks here at Powhatan, they are loving that groove, man. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm Michael Hedrick, and I'm the ALIT Campus Pastor. And I'm Brian Pope, Powhatan Campus Pastor. You can fill out a welcome card today if you're joining us for the first time. We'd love to know that you are watching today. And by the way, if you're watching online in real time on Sunday morning, February the 21st, you need to know that growth track starts today. It's all online. You can sign up right now. Grow Track is your next step. If you want to get plugged in, join the church, start serving, or just find out uh, what we're about and what we believe. And we offer Growth Track at our physical campuses too. But it is super easy for anybody to do it online, no matter where you live or what campus you call home. You can sign up at pccwire.net or just follow the link posted in the chat. Hey, look, and we know that sometimes folks watch this service later in the week. So if you missed out on Sunday, that's okay. You can still fill out the form. We're gonna help you get connected. And some of you might remember the MORE initiative that we began in 2019. We called it MORE because we believed that God was calling us to do more, to reach more people with the truth about Jesus. And while 2020 forced us to pivot, we believe God is still calling PCC to move in bold ways so that we can accomplish the vision he gave us. Now, there were some, some, there were some specific projects in that plane, including a PCC worship Ooh. album of original music. And I know you're I'm excited so, about that. I'm super that. excited about it. I'm super, I, well, I, I think they update. are too. That's awesome. And I got an update. Our team wrote and made rough recordings of over 20 songs. Now, those got pared down to the 12 that will be on the album and preparations are underway to start the recording process. And some of those songs are already being sung, including the closing song after the message today. So don't log out too early because you do not want to miss the closer. Hey, another special project was with our partnership with Together for Tanzania. And we've got an update there too. A few years ago, we met an amazing woman, Mama Baraka, who needed a home for her kids and for herself as she battled cancer. Check out these pictures of a completed home and a happy family. We are so thrilled to see the bold, this bold project get finished and to see that family safe and secure. That, 
I think that is just absolutely it's amazing. amazing. And I love those pictures. And then there's also the Midlothian building. After 10 years Ooh. of being a mobile campus, we're now only 15 weeks away from having weekly services in this building on Route 60 in Midlothian. Now, we're on track to finish on time, on budget, and that is incredibly that is. exciting, especially for those guys on the setup team for that campus. Look, overall, here's the numbers. This is exciting. We're in week 59 of 104 total weeks. That's 57% done. We're over halfway finished, and the actual giving, which includes the entire church budget, is around 95% of what we've planned to this point, at this point in, and, the, in the process. And that is not bad, all things considered. I look at it like this. Being 5% short means that there's an opportunity for you to be part of this initiative. Michael, you're right. That's right. And if you are already part of more and the giving regularly here, I hope that you're as excited as I am to see the impact of our generosity. Literal, tangible progress being made, not just here in Virginia, but all over the world. So thank you. Thank you so much for partnering with us in the MORE initiative. And if you aren't giving yet, you can find details at pccwire.net slash more. Our goal has always been less about the money and more about following God. We can reach more together and we would love for you to join us. And I'm gonna pray for us right now. God, we thank you for everything that you are doing, not just here, but around the world through the MORE initiative. And we're just grateful for that. You allow us to come with you on this mission. And we just pray for those that haven't joined us yet that they take this time to prayerfully consider doing so. So that way we can all live the fullest life possible through Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Say
ago we sang, I am set free. And yes, I really am so grateful for God's grace and his love, for the freedoms that we have because of where and when we get to live. Freedom is one of those things that no matter how much we have, we always want more of it, right? In fact, it could be the reason some of us are here today. Maybe you're not sure about Jesus or church, but you're daring to hope you can find freedom. Or maybe you're convinced about Jesus, but the freedoms you seek still elude you. Freedom from shame or guilt, from despair or discouragement, from the patterns and habits that hold us back and take us down, from the world's limits and expectations about who you will be and what you'll do. The good news is that freedom is available to us. And Jesus told us exactly how we can find it. It's Jesus' greatest hit that we're unpacking today. You may have even heard it before, but not known that Jesus is the one who said it. It goes like this. The truth will set you free. That's a powerful statement that has been used by all sorts of institutions and organizations that value truth. I mean, carved in stone in the original headquarters of the CIA are these words, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
A slightly different version is etched in stone at the University of Texas and many colleges and universities from University of Tennessee to Johns Hopkins have adopted this phrase as their motto because it's about two things that matter a lot to us, truth and freedom. We want both. So let's see what Jesus had to say about them. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It ends with the phrase we're familiar with, the truth will set you free. But fortunately, before Jesus says these famous words, he tells us exactly how to grasp them. He gives us a formula of sorts. If we will believe and hold on, then we'll become disciples. Then we'll know the truth and we will find freedom. So we're gonna unpack this formula together today and we're gonna start right here in the middle. Jesus says that if we become disciples, then we'll know the truth and it'll set us free. So what's a disciple? It's a student, but not the kind of student who's only in class because they have to be, because their parents make them. No, this is the kind of student who wants to be there. It's kind of like an ambitious intern or apprentice who's paired with a single mentor or master tradesman who's showing them the ropes, sharing their knowledge, and the intern soaks it up. They hang on every word, imitate every behavior, ask questions to understand more clearly and fully. A disciple is personally, internally interested in learning and growing and becoming like their teacher. Jesus tells us how we can become his disciples. And it's important to note that he give the, gives these instructions to people who already believed him. That's the prologue, the foundation for the rest of this conversation, believe. If you don't yet believe Jesus, then that is the place to start. It's the springboard from which you can reach for truth and freedom. So if that's you, if you're not sure you believe all this Jesus stuff yet, then I just wanna say, I am so glad that you're here. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. We would never single you out. But I want you to know that we built this church just for you. It is our privilege to have you spend some time with us. We hope we've created a place where you're comfortable exploring your questions. And you have picked a great time to be here. This series is the perfect place to investigate who Jesus is and what he teaches. If you will commit to going through this whole series, then you'll get a glimpse of what it looks like to be a disciple, what you would be signing up for. Because belief is where it all starts. But what I find interesting in this saying is what Jesus does not say, actually. He does not say to the people who believed him, you're my disciples, you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It's not what Jesus says. And he doesn't say it because belief alone isn't enough. Go let that sink in for a minute. Belief alone isn't enough. Now, I don't think those of us who follow Jesus have always done a good job of explaining this. I mean, of course, believing in Jesus, that he's the son of God, that he spoke the word of God, that he died for us, that he came back to life, that he's still active in our lives, all of that is supremely important. But there's more to being a disciple than just believing. 
Jesus says to a whole audience of people who already believed, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You are really my disciples. That word really carries a lot of weight in this sentence. It changes the way we hear it, doesn't it? I mean, if it just read, if you hold to my teaching, you're my disciples, that sound great. But the addition of one little word seems to imply that there are people who are disciples, and then there are people who are really disciples. People who think they are, and people who actually are. Unfortunately, that might be accurate. Again, I'm not sure that we, people who follow Jesus, have always been clear about this. No one has meant harm, but I suspect we've created confusion and misunderstanding. I worry that many churches and preachers, myself included, may have given the impression that all you have to do is believe and you're set, you're a disciple. But that's not what Jesus says here. He says that you have to believe and hold on to his teachings to really be a disciple. Hold on. That's a different idea than pick up. We might pick up trash for a second and throw it away, but we don't want to hold on to it. We might be able to pick up something heavy, but not be able to hold on to it for any length of time. Anybody who's carried a toddler around knows that picking up a toddler, even throwing them in the air, oh, that's fun. It's easy. Carrying them around the grocery store or an amusement park, that's hard. Those little guys get heavy. The same thing happens with Jesus' teachings. A lot of people pick them up for a season, a second. Maybe they watch a sermon or two online by a preacher that they like, or they read the Christmas story every December with their family. Maybe every now and then they just randomly open the Bible to a page for a word of wisdom, or they might share a verse they see on social media. There's nothing wrong with watching a sermon or reading the Christmas story. Those can be enjoyable moments of picking up Jesus' teachings. But picking up and holding on aren't the same. Holding on to Jesus' teachings, that takes commitment and perseverance. It's not a fleeting moment, but a lifestyle of gripping the word of God as you go through all of life around unexpected twists and turns, up mountains of success and joy, down valleys of despair and discouragement, through dry lands of doubt. That can be hard. So I thought maybe a visual would help us grasp this concept. So I've got some friends coming out here to help us. And what we want to see is how long can they hold on to those bars up there? Let me introduce you to our competitors today. Over here, we have Anna Holland. She is our dream team director for our whole church, all of our volunteers. In the middle, we've got Ellis Hobson. He leads our student ministry at the Powhatan campus for middle and high school students. And on the end, we've got Tanner Iglio. He is our campus pastor intern. Of course, you might also recognize him. He's often up front here leading worship or like today in that drum kit. So these guys are in position. And now that you've met all three of them, what do you think? Who's gonna hold on the longest? Is it gonna be Anna or Ellis or Tanner? 
We're getting ready to find out. I believe in all three of you. I'm so grateful you are doing this. I can't wait to see who's gonna hold on the longest. So we're gonna find out on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three. And they're off. Oh my goodness, that looks so hard. Like they're all in such better shape than I am. I don't think I've done anything like that since like high school PE. You know how you have those fitness tests where you have to see how you can hold on to a bar like that and pull up? I'm not sure I ever actually did a pull up. Maybe once I actually got up there one time. Pull ups are hard, but this looks really hard too. They're still holding on. I wonder how long this is gonna take. They might be up there like the rest of the time I'm talking, I guess. This could get really interesting. Oh, wow, they've got their game faces on. Anna's even smiling over here. Tanner's in the zone, like he's got his eyes closed, like he's trying to block it all out. You know what this kind of reminds me of? Like Mission Impossible. You know, Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt, he's always hanging on to something. Like you guys can do that. I mean, he's old enough to be y'all's dad for sure. So don't let him uh, show you up. He's holding on to a cliff or the side of a skyscraper. I think one time he even ran and jumped and held onto a plane while it was taking off. That is intense. These guys are still in it. They're not moving. They're holding on. How long are they gonna make it? Wow, you guys are doing great. Like I Googled how long this might take and it said for a beginner, like 10 seconds, these guys are clearly not beginners. They've also passed the intermediate mark. Let's see some movement. These guys are like pros because like a minute and a half to two minutes was the max that I saw anybody might be able to hold on. Come on, you got it, you got it. Oh, it's creaking, it's a move. Oh, and Tanner is down. Awesome job, Tanner, that was fantastic. You just hang there for a minute and catch your breath. Or you've seen Ellis moving around a little bit. Anna has not moved. She is like zoned in, hanging on. She is just in the, Ellis is grunting. He's trying. You can look at him. He does not want to lose. It's, it's really bothering him that he might lose. And he might lose to a girl. Anna was worried about representing all females up here. She is owning it. I am amazed. Oh, and Ellis is down. Great job, and Anna wins. Let's hear it for Anna. Wow. All right, you guys catch your breath for a minute. I'll come to you at the end so you can hold on for a second. Y'all did awesome. You held on way longer than I thought you were going to. All right, Tanner, we'll start with you. You've got those arms. We all see them. We see them when you play drums. Show muscles, apparently. Uh, that's right. So clearly, no, not show muscles. You hold on for a long time. Clearly, you work at being strong. So tell us, like, how do you do that? What do you do to be so strong? So Ellis and I, we actually work out together. Uh, we have a minimal training volume that we try to hit every week. Uh, amount of time we spend in the gym, amount of days we go, you know, amount of work that we get done. So just always working towards to be disciplined towards that goal. That's amazing. So you guys go together. And I would imagine anytime you got somebody else to do something like that with, it helps, right? All right, so Ellis, so you go with Tanner. So I was gonna ask, what are your routines? How, about how often do you guys do that? Uh, probably four or five days a week. Um, and just generally try to watch what we eat, uh, stay hydrated, all those good things. So nothing crazy. And like normal human beings, we 
fail at those things a lot. We can aspire, though. Sometimes. Uh, you guys are clearly in great shape, though. That was impressive. All right, Anna. Now, I think you were a little worried when I first asked you to do this, but you just won. How did it compare great. to what you thought? I, I was intimidated by the look of it and my competition. Yeah. It was pretty tough. Um, but I, I do love a competition, and, and that felt really good. Good. So tell us, what kind of routines do you have? Well, I like things to be easy and convenient. And so what I try to do is just think through my natural daily rhythm, my flow of what I do each day. And so I try to add small tasks to my normal routine. So every hour on the hour, I tend to stop and do some sort of one minute exercise. And so after a week or an after a month, I have a lot of little exercises that add up. So that's what I've seen you do like yes. in the office sometimes. Yes. That's amazing. That's another great way to go. And as a mom, getting to the gym four or five days yes. a week like these guys, that's awesome. <laughs> I couldn't do that, but I could yes. do what you do. Yes, and uh, you've, you've done it with us. Uh, once or twice. All right, give them a round of applause because that was impressive. Thank you. You. Thank all of you. Okay, well, holding on is hard. It's harder than uh, I think we thought it was going to be. That's true of pull-up bars, and it's true of our faith. So how do we do it? How can we hold on? The Bible tells us. I looked up the Greek word that's translated hold in this verse we're talking about today, and it's the word minnow. Not like the little fish you used to catch the bigger fish. This is M-E-N-O. Minnow means to continue or remain, to live or stay. And this Greek word shows up a lot in the Bible. I'm going to share just a couple examples to help us understand more fully what it means to hold on. First, to hold on, we have to be strong. Just like holding onto those bars required strength in their hands, their arms, their shoulders, their core, holding on spiritually requires strength. Spirituality is not soft. It is not all campfires and candles and kumbaya, ooey gooey mushiness. Now, don't send me emails. There's nothing wrong with campfires or candles or kumbaya or feelings. But really being a disciple means being strong, having grit and determination. John, the follower of Jesus who wrote down today's greatest hit in the book of John, also wrote some letters in the Bible. In one of them, he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you. The word lives down here is our Greek word minnow. And he says the word of God lives in them. They are holding on to the word of God, and they are strong. He also says they're young, but we don't really have much control over whether or not we're young. We can choose, though, to be strong. This verse shows us that being strong and holding on to the teachings of Jesus go together. You know, I watched my daughter, Lily, make a choice to be strong several years ago. The monkey bars at her school playground are off limits to the little kids because of so many broken bones. But when they were finally allowed to grasp them as second graders, it's all they wanted to do. Lily and her friends ran to those monkey bars and some of her friends flew across them, but Lily didn't. She couldn't, she wasn't strong enough. And she was not okay with that. She decided she was going to conquer those monkey bars. The same fierce determination she applied in the classroom at her desk, she fixed upon those monkey bars at recess. I speak from personal experience when I say, 
You do not want to get in the way of Lily Frame when she has got her mind set on something. She focused the entirety of her strong mind and her strong will on growing strong muscles. She worked at it every single day. My beautiful girl came home from school with blistered and bloody bandaged knuckles, and still she kept at it. On the weekends, she begged us to take her to parks and playgrounds all around town to try different kinds of monkey bars of different shapes, directions, heights, difficulties, and she became strong. Like Anna, she used her petite frame to her advantage. She got to where she could fly across any kind of bar she wanted, forward or backward, hitting every bar or skipping some, you're going across the little horizontal bars like you're supposed to, or she could turn to the side and like inch her way down the long bars. We can learn from Lily about how to be strong spiritually. We have to want it. We have to fix the strength of our minds and our wills on our spiritual development. We have to keep at it every day. Here at PCC, we already have daily routines that you can join anytime. We've got a Bible reading plan that we're following for the year. We teach from it five days a week as part of daily worship. You can develop spiritual strength by reading the Bible, worshiping and praying with us every day. The days you feel like it and the days you don't. The days it's comfortable and convenient and the days it feels like a difficult disturbance. And also build in weekly routines. Like being here for church every week, it's a great way to build spiritual strength. We believe one of the purposes for everybody's life is to know God. And the best way to begin the process of knowing God is to be part of a church service. You choose to be strong when you choose church every week. When it's cold and rainy and snowy and you would rather sleep in. When it's warm and sunny and you'd rather be on the water. When it is your only day off and you've got a thousand other things to do, when you're exhausted and you just want to shut down, or when life's great, you don't feel like you really need church. On all of those weeks and every other kind of week, choose church. Become strong so that you can hold on to Jesus' teachings. Now, we don't have to be like Lily. We don't have to work through blistered knuckles to do that, but we do still have to work through pain. As we dive into Jesus' teachings, we'll see things about ourselves that need to change. Change is painful, even when we know it's good for us. We'll find that we have ideas that we need to let go of, habits that we need to walk away from, character traits and spiritual routines or practices that we need to build into our lives. It takes strength to hold on to Jesus' teachings, even while they're causing us to change who we've been, what we've thought how we've behaved. But the more we do it, the more strength we build, the more of a disciple we become and the closer we get to truth and freedom. The other thing we can do to hold on is be obedient. Now the participants in our competition, they work at being strong, but they're also obedient to practices and rhythms in their lives. They follow workout routines and food plans, like, I posted a picture on Instagram of some bread that I baked. Tanner, who was over here, commented asking when I was going to bring some to the office. 
So one afternoon, I showed up to a meeting with piping hot, fresh out of the oven bread with that unmistakable smell of deliciousness. I handed it to Tanner and he looked at me with shock and sadness and said, but I've already eaten all my carbs for the day. At which point I will say, Elijah Shirelli, who gave the message last week, he stepped in to help Tanner out. Take one for the team, if you will. Brian Hughes was also happy to step in and help. You know, Tanner's response to my offer shows his obedience to a set of rules about how he lives. And I'll just confess, I'm not that obedient when it comes to saying no to carbs, but obedience matters. In that same letter of John's that we looked at earlier, he also says, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. Lives down there is our Greek word minnow again. So how do we hold on to Jesus' teachings? We keep them, we obey them. And the more we obey his teachings, the more they become part of who we are, the better able we are to hold on. We, we all know how this works, right? It's like, it's like being told as a teenager to get out of bed. I don't know what the rules were in your house, but I wasn't allowed to sleep past 9 a.m. any day of the week. My stepdad would say, you're sleeping your life away. Now, truth be told, you couldn't sleep till nine anyways, because he was outside with a chainsaw or a tractor or something loud at the crack of dawn. Now, did I like that rule when I was 15? Nope. Did I follow it? Yes. And guess what my days off look like now? Do you think I'm physically able to sleep past nine o'clock? Nope. Now, I'm not an early morning person, but I also can't sleep past nine. I was obedient to that rule over and over again until it became part of me and something I hold on to now without really any effort. If we will believe, if we will read and listen to Jesus' teachings and keep his commands, even when we don't like them or fully understand them, if we'll do that over and over again, then we'll develop spiritual strength. We'll get to where we can hold on to them no matter what life throws our way. And we will become disciples. Then we'll begin to grasp the truth and freedom that we seek, that we need, that we can really only get from Jesus. Sure, there are lots of other options out there, other sources that claim to have the truth, other freedoms that can be made available to us. But all of that is temporary, fleeting. The only truth and freedoms that last are the ones Jesus offers. And he explains exactly what they are. Jesus' greatest hit for today is John 8, 31 to 32. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the people Jesus spoke these words to originally, they didn't really understand what he was saying, and they asked him for clarification. So Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus offers his disciples the truth that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, the word sin may not be familiar to us today, 
but living it out is all too familiar because we all sin or miss the mark, mess up, sometimes intentionally, other times accidentally. And we know the feeling being trapped in, being defined by our mistakes and poor decisions. We know the loneliness, despair of being in sin's solitary confinement. But Jesus, Jesus offers us freedom from sin and the freedom to belong. As long as we're on this earth as humans, we'll keep sinning no matter how hard we try not to. But Jesus offers us freedom from sin's guilt and shame. He offers us the freedom to belong to him, with him forever. That is freedom indeed. We get just little glimpses of it here. You know, you know how most people are reserved, kind of quiet in a new environment, but you get them in places around people where they know they belong? What do you see? Freedom. Freedom to say their words, to show their personalities, to share their feelings. When we know we belong, we're free to be vulnerable, to own our faults, to celebrate our strengths, to be ourselves. That is what Jesus offers all of us, the freedom to belong. No matter how people have treated you, how many times you've been rejected, how painfully you've been abandoned, how alone you feel. Jesus offers you the freedom to belong with him right now and for the rest of your life, for all eternity, forever. Jesus wants that for you. I want that for you. I hope you want that for you. And Jesus told us exactly how to get it. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Believe, believe in Jesus and hold on to his teachings. Be strong and obedient. Be a disciple when you feel like it and when you don't because it matters, it's worth it. Truth and freedom await you. Remain in Jesus. You say remain in my love. Follow me and let me show you how. We're listening now. And you say your joy lives inside. Well, let it be alive and so complete. Remain in me. You call us friends, you teach us how to live, to love like you all our days. So we remain, let your name be glorified. You have loved and so will I. We lift a shout of praise.
to remain in Jesus. And we want that for you too. If you haven't yet, check out our 52-week challenge. You can find that on our website. Take the challenge to choose church every week for a year. That would be a great way to hold on to Jesus' teachings. Also on our website, you'll find a follow-up video I've done on this topic and some discussion questions that you can talk about with your friends, your family, your small group. We hope you have a great week. Come back next week and check out another one of Jesus' greatest hits.